All right, welcome to week two of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. My name is Tyler Hunt, if you don't remember from last week, and I'm joined with Matt Bells, who was on the podcast as well as we get into um, week two of the football season. we got the home opener coming up, so pretty exciting stuff. Um, but I was going to start with Matt, who was down in South Florida for the game. How was your uh, little vacay down to uh, Southern Florida? Uh, it was a blast. It was great. I went, went with uh, my wife and a couple friends, and uh, we were able to hit up some breweries as well as enjoy that 49-point victory. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. I don't think you can. Uh, you, I don't think you can ask for much more than uh, some breweries, some nice weather, and uh, a Badgers, you know, blowout win. So. Yeah, it wasn't looking great with the weather going down, but then other than that lightning storm that delayed the game, it was beautiful. Yeah, that and that delay actually helped me immensely because I was stuck in traffic trying to get back um, because I was out in Seattle and I completely forgot about the time change. So we were driving back and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, the game is at 4, not uh, 6 central time. So I was in a little bit of a rush to get back that way, but we made it just uh, just in time for kickoff. So that worked out immensely. But uh, oh yeah, we're good. Yeah, so but good. I'm good. I'm glad you uh, enjoyed your trip, and uh, you know we'll get into the South Florida stuff a little bit. But first, we have to do our due diligence and uh, start with an ad read. So we're gonna get that one of these out of the way, and then uh, we'll get into uh, a recapping some South Florida stuff. All right, it's time to talk some South Florida. Um, I we were originally gonna go with some topics, but uh, we, we I first wanted to start with. Um, who kind of stood out to you? And, you know, I, on, on the offensive side, I really wanted to go into who stood out to you other than Jonathan Taylor because, I mean, he stands out each and every week for the past two seasons. So um, we could say that and, you know, bore, bore our listeners because obviously we know he's great. But who else stood out to you, Matt, on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, I think Nakia Watson. I uh, you know, I all fall camp we were able to kind of see the explosiveness that he brings and, you know, the physicality. But then to see it out on the field going against a different jersey was great to see. Uh, you know, I, I put a video out there a while ago and had the chance to talk to him about it, about knocking over Leo Chanel. But that's basically what he was out there doing against USF. You know, that first carry getting like nine yards uh, and just pushing the pile forward is indicative of the skills that he has. Yeah, he was impressive. Um, I did not know, you know, I knew he he was going to be, you know, in the in the secondary carries role along with Groshek. I, I always kind of thought he had the ability to really be the next um, big thing out of the backfield, and, and he was he was impressive. He was strong. Um, he's kind of like a bowling ball out there. He looked a lot bigger. Um, you know, I've seen him in person, and he looks big, but he looked really big uh, on the field compared to some of those South Florida defenders. So. Uh, what about you? Who who uh, jumped out to you? You know, I really was impressed with um, the play of Quintez Cephas. I know he only had three receptions, but he could have easily had more than than what he racked up. Um, and for for all the you know the stuff that he had gone through preseason and, and over this last year to to you know just show up and play football now and and haul in three catches. Obviously, got the first uh, third down conversion, uh, the first nice catch for him. Um, and then you know he he was had those those two deep balls from Cone. You know he was open and and had him had his defender beat. There's not much more he can do other than you know run under it. It's just a little bit of an overthrow. But if he makes a couple of those catches, we're talking about him having having a you know a huge game that way. Um, I think he had three receptions for 40 yards, but it could have really easily been easily been five receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. So I I think 
for everything that he's done to be able to come back and, and all of a sudden be essentially, you know, Cone's number one target so far uh, was pretty impressive. So total, I totally agree. I thought, you know, he really brought a little em- extra to the offense. You could tell when he was breaking out of his routes and was able to make plays. I mean, he, he just has that it factor at the wide receiver position that you don't normally see coming out of Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was kind of expecting that, you know, emergence like from a Danny Davis, but, you know, he, he kind of was, you know, he wasn't really a big factor in that game prior, and uh, Taylor had some catches, but Cephas was definitely, you know, the number one guy that Cohen seemed to be looking for. So to have him come out and just bring that bring that deep ball threat, that big play threat back to Wisconsin, and then, you know, it's, it's going to allow those other receivers to uh, – to, to do some big things as well as they get going and as Jack Cohn gets gets kind of more settled in. So what about yeah, on the totally defensive great. side? What about on the defensive side? Did anybody really uh, stand out to you or who kind of emerged or impressed you um, on that side of the football? Oh, I mean, I think there's a couple different guys you can go with. I mean, for one, uh, Mikey Mascalunas, that hit he, he dropped on that punter was, was a thing of beauty. He, and in talking with him, he said that was by far the biggest hit he's ever delivered. Um, I thought, you know, he led the team in tackles with six. He was making plays not only on defense but also in special teams, so it was great to see him out there. Um, But the guy I thought was Colin Wilder, you know, a reserve safety. Because the defense was off the field for the majority of the second half, he got a lot of reps, and, you know, he had that interception. He was also a guy who was out there on special teams making some plays and showing what he can bring to the table. Yeah, no, both of those guys were were incredibly impressive. I mean, and, and a lot of those guys are came into the season expecting, you know, more of a rotation role. So that just kind of shows you the depth that Wisconsin has that some people may not have known about uh, coming into the season with Wilder uh, in the secondary, and obviously uh, with Scott Nelson being out this week, he might uh, he might see even you know more snaps. So um, I was impressed with him, um, and I was impressed with the linebackers too. The guy that I was going to talk about was was Leo Chanel. Um, you know, he, he, for being such a young guy, that kid, he plays, he plays like he's a junior or senior, and he looks like he's a junior or senior, you know, with his size uh, and his uh, effort that way. Um, I was really impressed with him. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, the next, you know, big stud for Wisconsin, the, the next Ryan Connolly, you know, or he's just going to have his nose and the, his head to the football um, every other play, it seems like. And then, you know, obviously the the impressive guy for me, uh, obviously Matt Henningsen was impressive too, Um he provides some serious defensive line depth that I think the Badgers need. Obviously, this whole this whole off season and coming into this season, uh, the talk was about you know Rand and Loudermilk and and will they be healthy? Um, but Henningsen kind of showed you know I can I can play too. Um, and for being you know a young guy and uh, working his way into that you know being from a walk on into the position he had and the play he made the other night, I was I was really impressed with his effort as well. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think they have so much depth on that defense that they kind of showed. Uh, I think it's really something that looks forward to the future for them as well. Yeah, yeah, I think the front seven looked, you know, really well. I guess my my one thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit, I think was maybe a little bit of concern was the secondary. What did you think of of the secondary's play? I mean, there was, there was a few times where there were some open receivers that – that South Florida just missed, and, and that that to me kind of threw up a red flag. Not a huge one, but a little concerning on my end. So, 
Yeah, no, I, it, early on especially, you kind of saw a couple guys just kind of streak open, and then uh, the secondary was having a hard time quickly uh, closing it, closing in on them. And, and I, I think part of that is just early communication because it, it seemed like a couple times it was within the safeties doing that three safety nickel package. Um, but then there was a couple times where they'd hit on hitches just in front of uh, the cornerbacks as well. So I think they have some places they need to clean up, but nothing that I like was totally like out of the blue, like scary, but um, definitely, I mean, that game could have been different at the beginning if they had made a couple of those uh, easier catches that I thought they should have had. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, uh, they had a lot of things that they could, uh, clean up in the secondary, but I think a lot of it, too, was this was the first game. It, from from my understanding, it was pretty wet on the field, and I think that was a pretty long grass. You know, those guys are, you know, they're trying to react and, and play in a different element. So I think the, I think we'll see a, a little bit better performance out of them, you know, back at home in a you know, dry environment and, a, you know, on a turf field that way. Um, I guess the, the next thing I wanted to talk about um, was the play of Jack Cohn, because I think that's something that Wisconsin fans have – have kind of disagreed on. I think some people um, have have thought he played pretty well, and some people, you know, were, were calling for Graham Mertz or Chase Wolf after the first missed deep ball, um, which I, I think is pretty silly. But what did you think? What were your thoughts on on Jack's game uh, last Friday? You know, I think I think for the most part he was fairly solid. You know, obviously missing those two deep balls kind of hurt, and eventually, when it comes to the big games, you need that. You need to hit those. That's not something uh, that he can do. And he, and he even acknowledged it when he talked to the media yesterday, you know, got the chance to talk to him. And he just said, you know, I've got to hit those. That's that's my job. Uh, and Coach Chris said as well, uh, the first one was uh, the one that they specifically pinpointed. You know, he's got to make that first throw. He just overthrew him, plain and simple. He's got to throw it in a spot where it's easier for him to come down and actually be able to make that catch. You can't overthrow that. Um, if he threw it just closer to the left sideline as he was kind of coming across on that post, I think it gives him more air for Cephas to get under it and make the play. I mean, he's Cephas is six one. You got to give him the shot to catch it. But then at the same time, the second one he was kind of rushed. In the end, though, Cone had two hundred and one yards. Now uh, Brian Mason SID kind of told us that uh, they you know, found that found two extra yards in it based off of a rule change. And so that it was, he broke the 200 yard mark, something that the Badgers only did twice last year. So while it's not necessarily perfect, he was 73% passing, had his two touchdowns and made some plays in the end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I totally agree. I, you know, I, I know my expectations for a Wisconsin quarterback. And if, if you throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns, and don't turn the ball over, that, to me, I'll take that every time because I know, you know, Wisconsin's going to have guys on the ground that are going to score you points. You know, I, I thought he I thought he did a lot of things well. Um, I thought he was really composed. He really looks good on the short throws. Obviously, the deep balls need a little work. But overall, I think he I think he played, you know, as, as good as you can ask on the road, you know, in your first, you know, first game of the season, you know, for – you know, he he played pretty well in, in that regard. I, I one thing I didn't necessarily love was the deep balls, but I think he's going to get better with that. And last year, from what I remember, you know, in the games that he was thrown into, he didn't even take those shots. 
Um, a lot of the times he, he was just looking for the short show. So to see him have the confidence to make those throws and even go after it is, is a, a big thing for me. So. Yeah, and that's been an added emphasis for him in the spring and in the fall. We've seen him push the ball. He's shown in practice the ability to do it. I think part of it is also that, I mean, him and Quintez have practiced for a week and a half prior to that game, and and he acknowledged that. He brought it up that, you know, they're still getting readjusted to one another. I mean, he's a different type of athlete than some of the other guys out there. For example, throwing to Adam Krumholtz or Jack Dunn, two guys who saw a lot of action in fall camp, to then just be throwing it out to some – I mean, I think Cephas is going to be an NFL-caliber wide receiver when all said and done. So trying to get back to that isn't always easy. Oh yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna take some time, and you know, thankfully, you know, when you win forty nine to nothing, you can you can work on those things, and now you've got Central Michigan coming in this week, who was one and eleven last year, so you hope that those two can get those timing down, and and then you've got a bye week, so then he, and then you've got Michigan after that, so they've got plenty of time to get this thing rolling before before he needs to really hit some of those throws. Obviously, you know, you can get away with missing them when you're winning at South Florida, you know, twenty one nothing, twenty eight nothing. It'll be a different story when when they take on you know the Michigans, the Michigan States, and it's a tight Big Ten type game. But for right now, I think you can. That's really all you can ask from Jack Cohn is is 200 yards, a couple touchdowns, and and no turnovers that way. I mean, that's a huge thing for me was the, was the no turnover. Was the, it drove it drove me nuts last year with Hornybrook, the fumbles and the interceptions. So I'll take his performance that he had in Week One anytime. So no doubt. The next thing I wanted to talk about was. Is there any any concerns that you saw um, from South Florida? I mean, anything that anything that really worries you, or is it just you know first game things happen and, and you know we're going we're on to week two? So um, I thought the kicking game. I I thought uh, when Lars missed that thirty yard chip shot, that was kind of a red flag. In practice, he had looked so solid, and then kind of to see that. I mean, he is a young player, but it's one of those things that. It's that's his job, and those are the kicks he's got to make. As now a sophomore, you got to make those kicks, and I don't want it to be one of those things where him and Zach Hintz are swapping back and forth. I think you want to have one guy, and if I mean if we're seeing inconsistencies like that, I think it's going to lend itself to both of them getting in there. And I think I I think Larsh is still the guy, but I I really hope to see that consistency going forward because that's that could lose you a game if it comes down to a. Uh, bigger matchup. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you hope that a kicker is gonna gonna put them all in. I know it doesn't happen, and obviously, I think it's it's even more emphasized this year with with the, with the kicking woes that the Badgers had last year, um, with Gags missing, you know, just not himself in, in his final season. Um, so that was an area of concern for me. And we talked a little bit about the secondary. It's not as big of an issue. Um, for me, because I think a lot of those guys are pretty talented and can make some things. But special teams, you know, the kick. Um, like you said, you just can't you just can't miss those ones. You have to put those through, and you know, down the stretch, if you miss it, you know, in, in a tighter game, it, it could cost you. Um, but I agree. I think he's still the guy, and we'll we'll really need to see some some better kicks from him this week, and hopefully he'll get plenty of chances against the Central Michigan team that uh, is supposed to struggle. So, anything else that step out or uh, jump out to you in terms of uh, concerns? Not too much, you know. Uh, we talked about the secondary. I think they had some open plays, but you know, Jim Leonard's a, a good defensive coordinator. He'll get that cleaned up. Um, offensively, I think 
more so the injuries uh, to Brasa on the offensive line might worry me a little bit. You know, the injuries in general um, from from last week to this week with Green May uh, and Nelson being out and obviously Orr being questionable. You know, coming into this week, this week you'll be fine without those guys, but you want to make sure that you'll get them healthy in the next couple of weeks. So that was my big concern um, was some of those guys being banged up because obviously Wisconsin struggled with the injury front last year as well. So. Yeah, luckily you you got Central Michigan this week and then that bye. So that I think the goal is to get all those guys back from Michigan. And I think I'm assuming that some of these might be fairly precautionary, but you never know. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I th- I was thinking too. You know, the Orr one sounds like a sprained ankle, and quite honestly, I I know he 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 said that he wanted to play uh, this week and he expects to, but I, honestly, I'd be fine with him not seeing the field and just taking the extra week off and. I'd be fine with most of them. I'm, I'm kind of hoping the Central Michigan is a, a get-in and, and get-out healthy type of game, but we'll talk about that um, as we uh, get into Central Michigan a little bit further. But for right now, we're going to go to a quick ad, and then we're going to talk uh, some college football landscape and some Big Ten talk as we uh, get into uh, week two of the college football season. So, All right, and we are back. Um, ready to talk some college football landscape. Obviously, we're a Badgers podcast, but you know they're part of the NCAA college football world, and so we don't want to not touch on that. So, Matt, the first thing I'm going to ask you in, in this part is, who was your, um, who were you, were you most impressed by in the college football, or who was a, a big surprise for you uh, after week one of the season? Um, you know, I going into this week one, it was kind of a little different than the previous week ones where you usually have the big match uh, marquee matchups. This week you only had one top 25 teams matching up and I I thought that um, going in that Oklahoma's offense might take a little time but obviously their offense looked really good two nights ago Uh, and then I also thought Penn State I mean yes you're playing Idaho who you know has their own share of struggles but Sean Clifford looked pretty solid uh, for their offense, and they can really uh, put some points up. I mean, 79 points is still no joke, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with both of those. I mean, Oklahoma, I was I was kind of hard on Oklahoma, too. I didn't think Jalen Hurts would, would be the same guy that, the you know, Baker and Kyler Murray were, but, man, he, he – he kind of proved a lot of people wrong and proved me wrong, at least out of the gate. And it's not like they're playing a slouch. Obviously, Houston doesn't have you know a great defense, but it, it didn't seem to matter, even if they were a good defense, that you know I think Hurts would have been able to pretty much do whatever he wanted. Um, so he was pretty impressive uh, in that opener. I think my biggest one um, that impressed me was um, Virginia. Um, I was I was looking for for them against Pittsburgh to you know I, I wanted to see where they were at because I, I have high praises for Virginia I've got a lot of um, confidence in them and their division um, and they played on the road against a Pitt team that was uh, also coming into the season pretty highly regarded so for them to go in and win 30 to 14 uh, in conference to start the season is always hard um, so I thought they were pretty impressive in their opener as well so. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, anybody jump out on the national landscape that disappointed you? Well, I mean, the, I think the big disappointment, uh, you know, is uh, was Tennessee. Uh, their thirty-eight to thirty loss to Georgia State when they were favored by, I believe, thirty-six points. 
um, was pretty disappointing, but I didn't really have a lot of stock in Tennessee to begin with. Um, other than that, I was a little disappointed with uh, Army. I don't know if you saw their score, but it was 14-7 to against Rice, who who I have as the uh, – the, the worst team in college football. They looked, I mean, give it to Rice. They looked a lot better than I expected them to. Um, but I thought Army was a little disappointing because I kind of had them as a sleeper, dark horse, top 25 team. And, and they really did not did not look crisp uh, in week one. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I did see that. And, you know, they're, they're a team that it might just take a little bit to get going. But I think once they do, they can get things rolling, especially with their schedule. Yeah, um, the yeah. team that jumped out to me um, as a disappointment, I mean, it's going to sound kind of silly, but actually Oregon, I thought that they had that game. They they had Auburn on the ropes, and I know that Auburn's defense is very good, but you've got, you've got a possible number one overall pick at quarterback, and you've got weapons around him, and to just not be able to get anything going in the second half was, I, I mean, I just couldn't believe that. So when we were watching that game to kind of see how the wheels just kind of fell off for them and they weren't able to hold on when I, it just looked like they had Auburn where they wanted them. Oh yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, I've I was high on Oregon coming into the season. I had them as a you know a playoff contender, and obviously they can still get there. But you know, it, it's not easy when you lose your first one and now you've got to basically run the table. And like you said, when you've got a a, a possible top ten pick and the. the the nation's kind of top-rated offensive line. You should be able to to put up uh, more than they did, and it's, I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't say it was a choke, but it's pretty close to a choke. I know Auburn's defense was really good, but they had their opportunities. And obviously, as a guy who bet on Oregon, it was a it was a very bad beat. <laughs> yeah, start in week one. Yeah, <laughs> but, especially like last minute or last second like that. And I mean. The big thing for me is that was such a big statement game that could have been for their conference, and you know mm-hmm. just to just to see that kind of not come to fruition was was kind of tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were. It's a tough break for them because I, I know the Pac-12 gets a bad rap, and I don't think they're as bad as uh, as bad of a conference as as some people do. But that one really hurts when when you're on the national landscape with with your top ranked team. Um, and you lose in that fashion to to an SEC team. Switching gears a little bit, what about the Big Ten? Anybody jump out at you or uh, disappoint you in, in their first week one uh, in our conference? Uh, there's a couple teams. I think, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see that Northwestern quarterback battle. They both just did not show up. TJ Green and Hunter Johnson, you know, everybody kind of went into it thinking it was going to be Hunter Johnson, and he laid an egg, 55 yards, two picks, and, you know, that's just not going to get it done. And then T.J. Green, who, you know, is former walk-on, and he went ahead and got 62 yards. So the two of them both got reps. Neither looked good. Uh, and then Minnesota, I, I don't know what that was, going ahead and <laughs> almost losing to an FCS program. You know, granted, a decent FCS program, but you're at home. you you got to do better than that. And then – I think the big thing going forward is I had picked Ohio State to be a um, playoff contender and, and in my playoff personally. And, you know, Justin Fields is going to be a big reason for that. You know, he had all the stats in the world this past weekend, but he had some just – I mean, the players were wide open to throw through. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing what happens when those windows get a little tighter and he's playing against some better competition, I think that will be an interesting thing to watch too. What jumped out to you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree with that one. I think, you know, Fields will get a really good test this week against a good Cincinnati defense at home. Um, but really the one that jumped out to me um, in, from the disappointment aspect was was Purdue. Um, just just the way they lost that game was, you know, was, was just tough to see. You always root for the Big Ten. Um, you know, out of out of conference, and I was obviously pulling for them, but man, that's just a that's just a tough way to lose a game. And you know, I thought Jeff Brom was the way he handled it at the end was interesting. You know, with Nevada rushing their guys onto the field to get that kickoff, you know, to to, to call a timeout there and you know allow that kicker to basically compose himself was was an interesting tactic to me. Um, but with but with Purdue's schedule and what they've got, uh, you know, the next couple weeks and, and then into the Big Ten season, that was one you needed. Um, so they were that was a little disappointing, but but not a huge surprise for me because I actually I actually bet Purdue uh, under seven wins. I just thought they were kind of going to kind of be a disappointment for their fans this year. And then obviously the the other disappointment was uh, to me Nebraska. I. Everybody, you know, obviously we've heard about them all off season about how good they were going to be, and it, it took a lot of um, touchdowns, you know, from the defensive side of the ball to to even get that uh, win against uh, South Alabama in a game that they should have won, should have won handily. So, what did you think of what did you think of Nebraska? Did you catch any of that game? I didn't catch too much of it. I was at a little tiki bar during that time, so uh, <laughs> I was watching a little bit what I could. But yeah, I did see that it was it took a couple defensive touchdowns, and that Adrian Martinez wasn't looking kind of like he was at at the end of the season last year, where everybody was like, "Oh, he's the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So I I, th- I have a, some confidence in that offense eventually to get it clicking, but I, I think. We'll see. I, I, I just think mm-hmm. that defense, while they made plays, plays against South Alabama, I don't think it's good enough uh, to really be the team that they you know, have been hyped to be. So I, I'm interested to see them going forward after a game that was kind of you know, hit or miss for them. Yeah, and yeah, and they've got a really good test uh, this week uh, against Colorado, who who I thought actually looked better than better than I expected them to against Colorado State. So. And obviously that's a, a historic rival between those two, so that'll be an interesting one uh, this Saturday. Other than that, on the Big Ten front, anybody really impress you? Um, other than anybody we've talked about? Yeah, just that Penn, just that Penn State score is just kind of like a woo, you know. So I, then I don't want to jump into that too much or really dive into anything because they were playing Idaho, but I mean it's still it's still a number. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other one for me was Maryland to put up 79-2. I know that was, again, Howard, but I never would have expected Maryland to be putting up 79 points uh, and holding you know, holding the shutout. So um, overall, I thought the conference kind of had an up-and-down week. Um, there were some games that were a little tighter than they should have been. Uh, but quite honestly, I thought the Badgers kind of had the most impressive week with their 49-0 win. So. Yeah. Um. So what do you, what are you excited about for uh, for uh, Big Ten play starting up here soon? Any any teams that you're going to be keeping a special eye on? Yeah, I'm going to definitely have an eye on Michigan State because I thought uh, I thought their defense looked really good. Um, Kenny Willekes was was a beast against Tulsa, but their offense was just you know just slow and and tough moving uh, again. This week, and you should you should be able to put up more than 28 points on a Tulsa team, and it was 20 it was a struggle to even get to that 28. 
Um, I mean, so their defense is amazing. I think they ended up holding Tulsa to negative rushing yards uh, with all the sacks and the uh, fumble snaps that they had. But for me, I, I think the the Michigan State offense is going to have to going to have to match what uh, what their defense puts out if they want to be a better team. And you know, obviously the, the rankings kind of reflected that too as the Badgers hopped up uh, in front of Michigan State. So that should be an interesting matchup here in a few weeks. So yeah, totally. Other than that, the Big Ten was pretty pretty uh, you know standard. I didn't see anything from from an Iowa you know a 38 to 14 win. I think that was pretty. That was tight in the first half, but they handled things pretty good uh, in the second half. And then Illinois was was pretty dominant, but it was a a pretty weak Akron team. So that's kind of our wrap-up on the uh, college football landscape in the Big Ten talk. And uh, after this short ad read, we're going to dive into what we're looking for uh, against the Central Michigan Chippewas in Week 2. So. All right, and it's time now to get into Central Michigan. Obviously, the home opener um, for the Badgers, always exciting for both the players and the fans to be back at historic Camp Randall Stadium. So uh, off the football field, what are you most excited about uh, for the home opener? Uh, I'm just excited to to get a fall day and be at be back at Camp Randall. You know, I've I've been there a lot here for fall practice practices, but it's, it gives a little extra juice when, you know, you've got 80,000 fans in there and the Badgers come running out of the tunnel. So I'm just excited to see that and uh, enjoy it. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, just the, just the festivities of it all, you know, being back in Camp Randall and, you know, like for me uh, and my family, season ticket holders, just to be back in, in those comfort seats that, that you used to or you've, you've had a lot of great memories that uh, is always exciting. Um, so obviously excited to uh, get back to there, excited to hit the uh, pregame bars. I, I know, I'm kind of glad it's a 2.30 kick so we can get a little bit more of that in. Uh, but at the same time, I know Clemson and uh, Texas A&M kick off at 2.32, so that's going to be a tough one. Uh, but I hope uh, that the Badgers can put it away so I can be home for uh, LSU-Texas after. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, just excited, to, just excited to be back there and, and see the pageantry and the festivities uh, to get this thing going. I know it's Central Michigan, but it, it's the home opener, so that kind of that kind of negates uh, that. But as we look at Central Michigan, you know they had a, they had a tough 2018, uh, one and 11, uh, but they brought in Jim McElwain, who was the head coach of Florida, to help turn that around. And you know I think it's it's a big rebuild for them. But what's your kind of initial impression of uh, the Chippewas? You know I think. I think it was big for them to get that win against Albany last week. Uh, you know, they put up 31 or uh, 38 points, which is pretty solid. Uh, I think a big thing for them is they had some turnovers last week that they think they needed to clean up. They got Quentin Dormady, a quarterback. Uh, he used to play at Tennessee and, and Houston. Now he's their their leader. Uh, and then they have a solid running back in Jonathan Ward. So, But both of those two are playmakers, but they also both fumbled twice last week. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see um, what Wisconsin can do in terms of forcing turnovers like they did last week, because I know that that's been a huge emphasis for the team in fall camp. Right, right. Yeah, I would agree. I I think Dormandy and Ward are are good players. It's kind of weirdly similar to South Florida. Obviously, they're a much lesser South Florida, but they have a a pretty good option at quarterback and a pretty good option at running back, uh, but but how the rest of the team um, 
manages around that, I think is going to be key for them as they go both into this game and into the MAC uh, conference season. One area that I was looking at, and I was writing my keys to victory today, um, was the offensive line for them. I was looking at my Athlon preview magazine that I have, and it looked like they have four projected uh, sophomores on the offensive line, um, and two of them at left guard and one at left tackle. So to me, I think uh, you know I would agree that the, the defensive line is going to be a big thing this week for Wisconsin. Um, and with the, with the linebacker injuries that we've kind of accrued in the first week, uh, a big game from the defensive line uh, against a young offensive line would certainly – Certainly, be helpful for the Badgers to kind of help put this one put this one away early. But yeah, and I know they have a big time athlete at tight end. Um, and but I also uh, I was able to talk talk with one of their insiders, and he was saying that their cornerback group is uh, is pretty weak. So it'll be interesting to see if Jack Cohn can can have an even better game uh, at home. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing that I was looking for. You know, as we kind of talk. What we're what we're hoping for from the Badgers is, was I'm hoping that you know I know that we can go to Jonathan Taylor and win this game handily, um, but I'd really like to see Wisconsin kind of open it up. You know, if I'm Paul Christ, I want to get Jack as as many throws as I can. Um, and you know, if things get tight or things get a little goofy and, and the score is a little tighter than what it should be, you know, you can go to Jonathan and, and probably do whatever you want on the offensive side of the ball. But I'd really like to get. Uh, Cohen as many throws as possible. So, yeah, and I think it should help that uh, Central Michigan runs a fairly similar offense to what Wisconsin does, uh, according to Zach Bond. So he said that that familiarity of doing some of the um, you know zone blocking as well as uh, RPOs that the Badgers have put in in practice will really help them be prepared for this game. He felt like it's it's nice to have gone through that all through fall camp to to be able to be ready for that. Oh yeah, that'll be a that'll be a huge help um for Wisconsin. Anytime you can get a familiar look to what you're what you're going for, um or what you run every day in practice, you know, that can be a, a big help. What do you see as kind of the, the most important things that the Badgers need to do in in week two? Uh you know, I think I think once again going ahead and stopping the run and forcing those turnovers. The defense last year wasn't good enough. The team will many of the players have said that it just wasn't good enough. They've made it an emphasis. They're now going against a good running back. You know, Jordan Concrete last week was a good running back. Jonathan Ward's another good running back this week. So can they continue to do that and keep that defense to where they should be, uh, both in terms of stuffing the run and also creating turnovers, getting extra possessions for the offense. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I think that uh, Wisconsin is going to have to do that and you just put the clamps down on defense and, and not not let this team hang around. Because, um, you know, like I said, they were 1-11 last year and this year, um, from from at least what I've read and, and, and kind of looked up on Central Michigan, they're kind of expecting a an even tougher year this year. Um, they did get their first win, uh, obviously, like you said, against Albany, but after that, you, you just don't know. But uh, they did. I'm, I'm sure they have a nice culture change with Jim McElwain. You know, he's a he's got been a guy that coached at you know the highest level you can coach at at Florida. So you hope that you know. You know, as a program standpoint, that that he'll be able to help out and, and change that and fix some things. But I don't, I don't think it's going to uh, take uh, it's going to take some time uh, for him to to get that changed around and, and fixed. You know, you can't just come in to a program like that and fix it overnight. So, 
Yeah, what what do you think is uh, your most important thing that you're going to be watching? I think, like I, like I said earlier, I think for me, I want to just get get into this game and get out. I, I think if Jonathan Taylor had his pads off uh, at halftime, if he came out for the third quarter and was done, that would be totally fine with me because um, I just don't expect a lot from Central Michigan. You know, they could surprise some people, um, but, but I just don't see it. They don't have a lot of returning production from last year, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think uh, when I was reading, they only had three returning starters um, to a team that was actually the the defense last year was, was okay against uh, the pass. I was looking at that today. They ranked, they ranked fourth in pass defense last year, but uh, 104th against the run. So you're, you're kind of you know, very defense, but they don't bring back a lot from that. So I think to me, just getting in, getting in, you know, getting going through the motions, getting this game over with, and getting those those key guys out. Obviously, if you had another cupcake game the following week, it, it would be a different story. But uh, when you've got extra rest and then you've got Michigan, I think that's important um, to get in and, and just get out of here healthy. So sounds good to me. The other thing that I um, really think is going to be important is, is getting Jack Cohen some throws. Um, just to build his confidence as we go into uh, that bye week, I'd, I'd really like to see him, you know, really confident in throwing the football um, the way uh, you, I think he can. Um, so to have his confidence as high as it can possibly be as we as we go into the bye week and then into Michigan uh, is going to be key. So anything else that you see uh, or, or are looking for against Central Michigan in week two? I think it's once again something that fans are always kind of keeping an eye on is if the Badgers do get up early, who's that second quarterback in? There's going to, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was all over that last week talking about, uh, you know, getting Chase Wolf in there. And neither of those guys know going into the game who's going to be called upon. So they're both ready. They're both prepared. They're both the co-backups. You know, they're on the depth chart. It's both of them. There's no, I mean, in practice, we didn't see a whole lot of delineation from them in the open practices. They both had their moments. I, if I would have guessed, I would have figured it might have been Graham Mertz by the end just because he had came on so hard at the end of practices. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really do think that Mertz is going to get into some games, but it's just going to be a matter of they're going to probably try to keep that four-game redshirt if they can, uh, assuming that Jack Cohn uh, can be healthy and effective. Right. Yep. No, I agree. That was a, that was a big talking point in the first week. Um, you know, I was I was getting ready to go to dinner, and you know, my girlfriend said, "Well, they're up forty-two to nothing. Can we just go?" And I said, "Well, I, I kind of want to see who who gets in as that." backup quarterback gets the snaps. I think that's a big storyline. But I, I think the Badgers as a coaching staff are also kind of in a tough position, like you said. You know, what what games do you work Mertz into uh, and try and save those four games? Um, I, I don't know. Actually, you still got Kent State. You still got Illinois. And then obviously you got Central Michigan. But you don't know what could happen uh, down the stretch. And obviously if he, if he burns that red shirt, it happens. Uh, but it's kind of a tough spot, especially when you want to Get uh, get a guy some reps. I know the rule is to, to kind of help that and help players preserve, you know, that extra year of eligibility. But at the same time, when you're a high talent like that, it's tough because you want to get him in the game, but you also want to be able to save that year if you can. So, yeah. Um, so, do you have a, a prediction for this weekend? Yeah, um, I was looking at it, and you know, the Badgers I think are favored by 33. Last I checked. Um, 
And quite honestly, normally I don't take the Badgers uh, when they when they have a, have to cover more than 30 points because uh, last year I don't believe they covered in any of those ones. Uh, but I'm actually going to take them to cover this week. I think it's going to be a 45 to three type game. I think this one's going to be a, you know a, a doors blown off, get out of there after jump around and uh, get home to to watch some other football. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So it'll probably be the complete opposite now that I <laughs> now that I try and work that in there. So what about you? What do you think? Uh, I'm kind of in the same neighborhood. I have them barely eking out uh, being the spread, so I got them at 49 to 14. I, okay. I think I think uh, they might be able to get something early or uh, maybe get an extra score in garbage time against the second team defense. But yeah, I think it'll be like 49 14 or so. Yep, yep, absolutely. I you know I hope it's that. I, I hope it's not. You know, I can't remember which game was it a couple years ago where Hornybrook came in and, and had to put that game away late. I'm hoping it's not, you know, anything like that. Um, you know, I hope we can get in there, get out of there healthy, and uh, get into the bye week. It's going to be a little weird with the bye week next week because it, it's it's pretty early for, for Wisconsin, but it, it's a nice one to have before Michigan for sure. Yeah, especially especially with those injuries, you know, you kind of want to get some guys back. It, it was it was good to see Xander Neville uh, on the out list instead of the out, you know, instead of not even on the injury report. So I think, you know, he he might be coming back for that game is my, what I would think is a possibility. So I think just getting guys healthy in that bye week could be beneficial. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You want all you want all hands on deck uh, when Michigan comes to town because obviously that's a that's a huge one not only in the Big Ten race as a whole but kind of the college football landscape the way it's shaping up to be. If if you can pull off an upset uh, like that, you know you're 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 putting yourself in a pretty good position to uh, hopefully get to Indianapolis. Uh, so. Other than that, that's pretty much all I've got. And obviously, we get we'll, we'll definitely be diving into more stuff uh, in that Michigan week. But you know, like when you're taking on a one and eleven Central Michigan team, there's not a lot to uh, talk about. You know, you just want to get in, get the opener open, and um, get out of there with, with a W. And hopefully, that it happens handily. So, I'm not sure what we're what we're thinking for next week uh, in terms of the bye week. We'll definitely recap Central Michigan. Um, but uh, we'll see as we, uh, you know, work out our schedule and, and figure that out. So maybe we'll try and mix it up and maybe do some fan questions or, or something like that. But uh, so. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that would be great. So we'll, we'll uh, if we do do that, we'll kind of throw that up on Twitter as well as uh, um, in a post and people can comment on the site. So we'll hope to get that. And don't forget to rate, review, and res- and subscribe to the podcast. You know, we – we love to see new subscribers. We love to see those downloads and those um, positive five-star ratings. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. That's where we're uh, absolutely looking for. And we, we got a, had a good week. I think we had a lot of listeners that first week. And hopefully as we get this thing going into week two um, and then the bye week, we'll, uh, we'll keep it rolling. And I know we've got some things in the works for uh, the Michigan week already. We've, I've talked to a couple of guys over at uh, Maze and Brew uh, which is the SB Nation Michigan site, similar to Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and we're hoping uh, to get uh, one of those guys to maybe come on the podcast with um, us too and, and talk about that Michigan game. So uh, big things coming, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week and on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.